Ken, thank, thank you so much. Um, I'm so grateful to be here with you today, and I, I totally did not realize I'm, I'm wearing what I was wearing in the video, so I don't... <laughs> I feel like such a loser for that, but um, we didn't film that this morning, um, but it probably looks like it. Um, I, I'm just so grateful to be with you. Um, it, it, throughout the, the, the last several weeks and months, as I've been praying for you, um, I, I have had you in my heart and mind and had great delight bringing your names and your congregation before the Lord. And uh, you're in the middle of a 90-day uh, prayer campaign as a congregation. Prayer is the most important thing that we can do. It's not preparation for the work. Like, it's, it's the... It's the drivetrain to the engine, like it is the work. And um, you actually, and even scattered throughout the room this morning, is kind of the outline of that 90-day prayer plan. So if you want to grab one of those when you leave, they're also on the back table. Um, I, I do want to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter 4, which is like the focus for this week. Um, that's the prayer initiative that, that the leadership felt was important. And so I, w- I want to step into that. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. I will put this on the screen in a moment. Um, but, um, that, that's why I felt the spirit led me to preach from Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. And while you're turning there, let me share with you Ken jokes. You know, we stand next to each other and I may be his protection or his bodyguard, although I've never acted like that. And he's never asked for that. Um, I am a pretty big guy and that's because, um, God made me with, with a big frame. And I thought my, my future in ministry was, was to play professional football. And, uh, I, I know there is American football and there's soccer. I'm talking about like football, like the Super Bowl that we saw last weekend. And, um, I don't know if your team won or not. Um, I had the chance to be part of before I went into full-time ministry, part of the Tennessee Titans. And I, I don't know if there's any Titans fans in the room um, who cheer. I heard a couple of, woo, yeah, and there's like an arm flap in the back. That's awesome. Um, and, and I wish, um, so I only played one year. It was 1999. And I don't know how many of you followed our run of the Super Bowl. I, I did not get to play on the field, but I was part of that team. And I would give anything to share with you my Super Bowl ring today and let you see that. Uh, but I don't have one because we didn't win one. And, um, I, I know I look around the room, there's some, some Detroit Lions fans in the room. So you feel that pain, right? Like it is, it is the struggle is real. Um, and, and so I had people ask me in the last week, you know, like, do you miss it? Like, do you miss football? And, um, I don't think I miss like today. It's like 20 degrees, right? It's so freezing in middle Tennessee. Of course, snow on Monday, 62 degrees on Wednesday. Why not? Um, I don't miss the practices. I don't miss braving the elements, but I miss part of being together and bonded and fused with other people, like in lockstep on a common shared mission. I miss that. And when you are in those practices, when you are in the weight room, when you're sitting there talking to coaches and leaders who are in authority over you, there is something, sometimes it's harder and more challenging um, than it is joyful but there's nothing like saying we know what we're aiming for. If it was for football, the Super Bowl, we, we know what we're aiming for as a group. And then you get bonded and fused together through the good, through the bad, through the, the challenges. And, and there's a joy that comes from being on mission and having clarity about what you're trying to accomplish. And I do love that any game, any sporting event, so if, if soccer or football or American football or whatever, tennis, uh, whatever it may be, pickleball, whatever sport you're into, like it, it carries over to the game of life. And I am thrilled to share with you from Ephesians chapter 4 what Paul says for all of us in the church should be our shared mission and our shared goal. 
And I, my prayer is that when we walk through this text together, of course, why wouldn't we let Scripture inform what we're trying to accomplish as a church, right? And so I literally mean all nine campuses of Brentwood Baptist Church, but I'm, I'm privileged to serve you here today. So, of course, this is my desire for the church at Woodbine. I pray that it gives us the clarity of the shared mission that God's called us to, gives us confidence, and gives us joy, and unites us not just in the room, but among all of our congregations. So let me invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. And I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 together. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. At your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Let me pause right there, and this is kind of a, a rhythm, When and th- this is something I do at the Church at Avenue South. When I pause right there, I'm just so grateful that God speaks to us. And so what's more important than me being the mouthpiece, and whoever would be up here, whether it be Fadi or Ken, is this word, which is trustworthy. There's no errors in it. Um, it is it is so worthy of building our lives upon and pursuing a future together as a congregation. So I like to say this. I'll say the word of the Lord if you wouldn't mind saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we're grateful for the chance to worship together. And I thank you for the way you've already ministered to me in this room. And Lord, we just pray that as we lock arms with one another, not only the church at Woodbine, but among our nine congregations or campus families, we're part of one church. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have great joy pursuing the future, living worthy of the calling that you've placed on our lives. And yes, specifically for this regional campus of our church family. And I pray we would do it with humility, with patience, with gentleness. And Lord, we know that the Spirit is the one who brings the unity. So Holy Spirit, presence of the risen Jesus, Please create and shape and bond and fuse us together to look more like God's Son and increase our joy as we make sure that you get all the glory for what happens here. We pray that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and have them be seated for the next few moments. And feel free over the next few moments to keep your Bible open. I'll I'll refer to these handful of verses as we go together. I'm so excited about the future that God is inviting the church at Woodbine into. Um, God is inviting the church at Woodbine into a new future. And so obviously Pastor Fadi talked about this last week as he shared what, what it looks like to be a disciple who follows Jesus and invites others to follow him. I'm so grateful. Uh, blushed a little bit, Ken, when you were um, just saying such kind words. I, I certainly don't feel worthy of those things. Um, but I watch every one of our campus's services every week. And I watch what this brother and others are sharing with their words from Scripture. And I think about the reality of how God is speaking in and through the leadership to, to point a compass and a direction for your future. And so I, wanna, I want you to think about your future in the context of this letter. Paul wrote this letter from a position of imprisonment. 
the Apostle Paul had been arrested um, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's in a prison cell in Rome, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus. That's in modern-day Turkey, and I know many of you are aware of that. But when we talk about the Ephesians, I don't know if this is like appropriate, but let's think about the Woodbinians. Let's think about the, the, the church believers that are here gathered here this morning and throughout Middle Tennessee. We want to read this as if it's been written to us specifically. And Paul says in verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received. To live worthy of the calling that you have received. And there's two aspects of this verse that I want us to focus on today. The first one would be this. Paul has a desire or an intended outcome for the Ephesians. Paul has a, a preferred and a desired outcome for them. I'm urging you. He says, I urge you. I'm urging you. Like I'm asking you to do something with what I'm sharing with you. And the second thing is there's an urgency about what he's asking them to do. In other words, to the church at Ephesus, to those of us that are followers of Jesus, like I want something for you and through you, and, and I want you not to delay in this. Like it's time for us to move forward with the future calling that God's placed on my heart. So let, let me share first, the, the letter begins with Paul wanting something in the Ephesians. I urge you, I'm coming to you with a request. There's something I want you to do with this mission or this message. And quite honestly, much like the Apostle Paul, who is our brother in Christ as a pastor, what a privilege and an honor to be with you today. But I, I come to you with a desire to see something in and through you. I desire to see the Lord do something. I desire to see all of us in this room, in this service, and in this congregation today to do something specific with the message that God is bringing to us through His Word. Um, Ken mentioned that I'm the North Region pastor. There are nine regional campuses of Brentwood Baptist Church. It is a humbling honor to be the North Region pastor, to provide um, advocacy for all four of our Davidson County campuses. The reason I can't be with you more often, I mean, he's not just putting on, like, I, I love every time I'm here. I love meeting with Lauren and Johnny and in years past Doug and others and being here this morning and seeing your friendly faces. Um, I just can't because I'm preaching every Sunday morning at the church at Avenue South. And so what a treat for me to be here with you today to engage you on a Sunday morning. And I want you to know that one of the things that church leadership, Brentwood Baptist Church leadership, trustees, our senior pastor, Jay Strother, our executive pastor, Stan Breeden, have asked and tasked me to do. They have tasked me with the responsibility of wanting God's best for your church. Wanting God's best for the campus of the church at Woodbine. And I want to tell you something, that is... That is not a responsibility I take lightly. It is one that I want to hold as a steward, and I want to see you flourish. And that's how I pray for you. Um, when I ask questions to seek to understand strategies or practices or what do you need and how can I pray for you, like I want to see God's best for you. And one of the things, if you if you need to know, um, gosh, I've been in this role for the last four years, but it's been since October and since you started a pastoral transition that about anywhere from five to eight hours of my week is spent praying for you, being boots on the ground here, being in meetings uh, that, that affect or impact your day-to-day -day strategies and outcomes. So you're never far from my heart or my mind. And I don't get to see you, but I do brag on you to the church at Avenue South. Um, in the same way, we saw a video about giving uh, we could never step into a building that has no debt that we own if, if there weren't for the generosity of the people in this room. And I ask our congregation not to forget that. And so I have said, this campus has pledged and given the church at Woodbine so faithfully 
And we need to remember that. So I brag on you when I get a chance to do it back the other way. But I want to just tell you how I filter my decision making with this weighty responsibility the Lord has entrusted to me. When I want God's best for you, I always run it through this filter. I want to do and act in a way that's going to bring Jesus the most glory. Like I want to do what's going to bring Jesus the most glory. If you're curious about my motives or like what I'm after, like I want to do what's going to glorify Jesus the most. I always make decisions with the Holy Spirit based on what is best for the local church. What is best according to Scripture for the flourishing of the local church or for the flourishing of Woodbine. I suppose a third thing that I would reveal to you is that I always want to do what is best for reaching this surrounding community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, the fellowship and the meals and everything wonderful that's happening in the life of your church. And that's, that's a little freaky, Ken, that you knew exactly where I was sitting. So I don't know if you were like just snooping around and just kind of creeping watching me. Uh, but it's true. I was seated right over here uh, on December 1st and, um, ministers are always serving and busy. And so even like on a Sunday morning avenue south, I'm always thinking what message comes next? What, what's the handoff? What a delight. What a delight to hear your worship team as Advent started seated right over here, like just receive from you and be ministered to from you. Uh, But the end result of all the events and all the activities is to reach people that live in this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm always going to do what's going to help us get there. And then ultimately, this is how I make decisions at the Church at Avenue South. I I would say if there's a fourth, and and we could just tease out a list, I'm going to do what is perhaps my preference or my opinion last. Like, what do I prefer? I've got a lot of opinions. I've got a lot of preferences, but I'm always going to put that at the back of the line for the sake of what brings God the most glory, what is best for the local church, and what is best for reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so one of the realities that Paul gives the Ephesians that obviously he's giving to us, what's Paul's desire or his request for them? I encourage you, do you see that in verse 1? To live worthy of the calling that you have received. I long to see something shaped in your future individually. So everybody in this room is growing as a disciple. You you and I are on a Bible reading plan. Uh, We're currently in the book of Leviticus, and so we're growing individually. Paul says, I want you to keep flourishing individually, but I want to see you flourish, and I want to see you step into the future. Like I want something to happen among you as a congregation in in the future to become the church that God's shaping you to be. And the calling we've received, Pastor Fadi shared this last week. He shared the calling is to go and make disciples. It's the Great Commission. There's nothing new under the sun. So our calling is to go and make disciples who then go and make disciples. And eight years ago, the church at Woodbine became part of Brentwood Baptist Church. And so you may not see Brentwood Baptist in name around the walls, or you may not even see a staff member like myself. I shared with you why you wouldn't on a Sunday morning or others. But the mission statement of our church, the Great Commission, we've just phrased it out this way, and you're probably familiar with this, is that we want to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to assume everybody in here is on board with that because I see you doing this. But remember what I said about the shared mission together. Nine campuses, 12,000 members in Middle Tennessee engaging the whole person with the whole gospel anywhere, anytime, with anybody. This is the mission statement of this regional campus. And the beauty of it is you get to contextualize it for the community at Woodbine. The community that's around Avenue South is different than here. We couldn't be more different than Brentwood. I grew up in Brentwood, like Avenue South, 8th Avenue, Woodbine, couldn't be more different. That's the beauty of taking the same mission statement, 
being united in that together and saying, but the joy and the excitement is dusting for God's fingerprints in our communities and figuring out what are the distinctive needs that we can meet in our communities. And so that's what God has called us to do. And so I, I do, if, if there's a request of you, if I'm coming to you like Paul asking you to do something, is to re-embrace that mission. Is to re-embrace, or maybe for some of us, to embrace for the first time ever the mission of engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Because I believe the Lord is calling you into a new iteration of that in the future. Like a, a new version of that in the future than anything you've ever been a part of, or at least in the last eight years, having been part of Brentwood Baptist Church. And I want to say something very clearly. Like this request of Paul to the church in Ephesus, it did not mean like you're, you're not doing enough or you're not doing good things, and so we need you to get on board with this mission. Um, no, it literally means like you are doing good things. Don't grow weary in doing good, but the Lord has new work and new ideas and new strategies for you. Matter of fact, there are some things that you do so well. And I will tell you, I appreciate Ken and I appreciate Fadi. They use their platform time to encourage and to edify and to build up. But, it, but it's, it's, I'm here. Sorry, Ken, you don't have the mic today, so my turn. I'm going to go. Um, when I walk in this building, just like this morning, someone always greets me at this door and welcomes me. And, and, and I've been to all of our campuses on a Sunday morning. And you perhaps are the most hospitable, the most warm and welcoming um, don't tell any of the other campuses in the north because then that's going to get me in trouble. Um, they can all see this on video later, so it's probably going to come back to haunt me. Um, but you do that well. You call for and encourage people to go to the nations and to go globally for the sake of missions. I've always told our congregation, we want to cherish our sending capacity as much as we do our seating capacity. And you do that well. And I've watched you honor global workers when they come back home. You honor them. You revere them. You, you care for them. There are so many things you do well. Um, I think about young adult ministry and collegiate ministry. So good just a moment ago to see Richard and Mary and the intentionality with which you're trying to reach the next generation. You do that so well, which is a passion of mine at our campus. You love your staff and you love pastors well. Um, just a moment ago, uh, I was going to come forward when, when you invited me as the, as the preacher to come forward, and Silas came up and was like, Boop, come on, buddy, come on. Like, now's the time. And he just started praying over me, which was a treat because my oldest son is named Silas. And Silas just started praying, and I just can't, uh, just a little sidebar chasing a, a rabbit here for a minute. Hearing the prayers of your congregation over me, just it will minister to me for days. But you do that so well. Like I could keep going on and on about your deacon ministry and, and so many other things that I have in my journals about things you do well. So Paul is not saying you, you're not doing things well. So like now we need to like step it up or do better. He's saying like you continue to do so many good things well and, and see what I did there, Ken? I listened to your sermon two weeks ago. Did, did you see it? And like, I don't drink tea, but I drink coffee. So like, I, you know, I didn't want any of your tea boiling up here in the kettle. But I wanted a good cup of coffee, so it made me thirsty. Ken said, while, while good things are happening, meanwhile, and there's a new future ahead of you that I want you to embrace. And it'll be different. And it'll be exciting. And it will also be challenging. 
But Paul's challenge to the church in Ephesus, our challenge to the church, obviously through the Holy Spirit of the church at Woodbine, is keep growing, keep becoming the church that I want you to be. And let me tell you why this matters. Like, let me tell you why. And I'm going to, I think, I think it's important to kind of look at like, well, what will that look like? And we'll get there. Um, but the reason this matters is what Paul said. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. There's a sense of urgency about stepping into the future for Woodbine. There's a sense of urgency like you, oh gosh, I urge you. That's the root word for urgency. When I was a teenager, um, my, my dad, um, my dad would often say, whether my room was messy, he's like, I'm going to help you find a sense of urgency about cleaning your room. Or if uh, I was disrespectful for, to my mother, which didn't happen much, he, he might say something like, she, she was my girlfriend and my wife before she became your mom. I'm going to help you find a sense of urgency about honoring her, Ephesians 6.4. Um, sometimes we don't have a sense of urgency without catalytic help that comes from outside. Like that's just, that's life. Um, I supervise people and I want God's best. Um, you, you are in the process of praying for a pastor and I will want when that individual, that man is called to this role, I will want God's best for him. But I'm a man with authority under authority. And I've got people in my life who challenge and give me catalytic instruction that helps me step into the future that I don't just wake up wanting. And, and you guys are feeling some of that. I mentioned the pastoral transition. I mean, anytime you go through that, you start to ask, like, I, I would, um, what's next? What does the future hold? Uh, you start looking at some of those things. They get your attention. They get our attention. And you start thinking, okay, well, what, what is it that the Lord wants us to, to be urgent about? And we're in one of those seasons right now. Um, there's 10,000 people that live within one square mile of this building. There's 10,000 people um, with, within a three-mile radius of where you're seated. There are 67,000 women, men, teenagers, and children. Within three-mile radius, 67,000 people. Now, I asked how many of you were Titans fans. If you've ever seen the Titans stadium, um, like a picture from above, you know there's 67,000 seats. So like I know pastors throw out stats and you're like, is that real, is that not? Like I go to other people that I trust for stats, so these are not my stats. But 67,000 people, it would be as if you put the church at Woodbine, the regional campus of the church at Woodbine, in the middle of the Titan Stadium. And, and, and statistically it would tell us of those 67,000 people, maybe, maybe about 15,000 of them know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And what that stirs all of us to do is say the need is so great. And I got a, I got a sneaky suspicion. You knew that. If you're a longtime faithful participant at the church at, at uh, there we go, Church at Avenue South. That's my congregation. Um, the church at Woodbine, you, you already knew that. But seeing that image and thinking about where God's planted you makes me realize that there are, uh, of that, if that's true, about 50,000 people that will slip into eternity apart from Jesus Christ in the years ahead. And we'll have an eternity without the love of Christ and without flourishing eternally with no sickness and no pain and no suffering like God has always wanted to know Him and enjoy Him forever. They don't get to tap into it this side of heaven and they certainly don't get to tap into it in glory to come. And the need is so great and the urgency is so big. Um, the word urge here in this verse is the same word used in Romans 12.1. In Romans 12.1, Paul told the church in Rome, I urge you, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. In, in other words, lay it all on the table. 
Like, don't hold back. Like, go full tilt to do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to reach those, to glorify God and reach those who do not know Him. And so the church at Woodbine has been placed in the middle of a community mission field, and the stakes couldn't be higher. When I, when I uh, pray for you, I pray that you would have a sense of urgency. I pray that we would run it through that filter of like, I want what's going to bring God the most glory. I want what's going to lift Jesus up. I want what is best for this church to fulfill the purposes of making disciples. I want what's best for the community. And of course, if there's lost people who do not know Jesus, I want them to know Jesus. And then I put, again, my preferences and my opinions at the bottom of the list. And I got them too. Ken's in those meetings where it's like, that's a nice thought, but here's what's most important. The gospel, the glory of God, and what is going to help us reach people with the good news of Jesus. But the church at Woodbine has been placed by God in the middle of a community mission field. And so in the future, the vision for the campus, the regional campus, the church at Woodbine in the future moving forward is to draw a circle around the neighborhood where this campus is planted. To draw a circle around the neighborhood where this campus is planted and to reach this community for the glory of God. And I tried to lay some groundwork before saying this that I'm not saying you're not doing that. There has been great things happening and a renewed focus on the three to five square miles right around this congregation. The future vision for the church at Woodbine is to pull out all the stops, whatever it takes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to lay down your life sacrificially to reach the lost in the community of Woodbine. And I know, because I've had coffee with many of you, and I've sought to understand what brought you here, what are you passionate about, I know that there are many, maybe even in this room, that you don't live in this community. And so I want you to hear me say something. Some of you drive from Mount Juliet, some of you drive from Donaldson, others of you drive from places south of here. Um, and, and I want you to know something, like, I think it's wonderful. And I think it's great that the Lord drew you here for a significant and, and specific purpose I want you to stay part of this and to be part of what God's doing, but I'm asking, and the leadership is asking everyone, no matter where you live, to focus on reaching the people, make the priority, reaching the people in the community of Woodbine. We're asking everybody to prioritize reaching this neighborhood, to want groups that are started here, to want outreach that goes on here, to want all of those things. And if it's happened in the past, great. Let's continue to do it and think through new ideas and new ways and new strategies to get there. But we're going to ask everyone that's part of this campus to prioritize whatever it takes, whether you live in the neighborhood or don't. Everyone should have an urgency and everyday praying, Lord, save people in the community of Woodbine. Save people in the community of Woodbine. You've planted us there for a specific purpose. This is not my church, and I'm not your pastor. But when I come here, I will usually slip into this room after a meeting, whether I'm meeting in the education building, where I'm meeting in the chapter, in the chapel, wherever it may be, and I come in here and I sit by myself. And I just start praying. And it doesn't take long before the Holy Spirit gets me excited about thinking about all the families and all the children and all the women and all the men who are beautiful and talented and creative, but they do not know Jesus. And through the outreach and drawing a circle around this community and say, we will reach the lost to watch them start to fill this room. And I sat up here one time when I was here, this is about six months ago, and I just looked around from that perspective and dreamed and thought. And again, it didn't take much to think about this room full of people that were hearing the gospel as an indication that they've been in groups and they've been part of service opportunities and they've been part of mission trips. And I think that's what's, I think you're on the precipice of that. 
There have been great historical moments in the life of Woodbine. I think you're on the verge of another one of those. I really do. I really do. And I'm excited about your future. But I will tell you this, like, did you see what Paul said? He said, I urge you to step into this future, Woodbine, but do it with humility. Do it with humility. And I want to focus on that word for just a moment. Because the foundation of what we're going to be building together, and I said we, I don't mean to be trite or naive because I know I'm not officing here. I'm not with you every Sunday. But we, Brentwood Baptist, it's not an us and them. It's we. We're all part of the same church family. What we will be building here, the foundation for the future for the church at Woodbine and all other eight campuses wanting God's best for this campus, the foundation for that will be humility. Hang with me for just a moment. Um, When I was in eighth grade, I got in trouble for goofing off in art class. That doesn't surprise Ken, but you may be like, I'm disappointed. I kind of want it better from our pastors. But hey, just a little bit of transparency there. So my assignment was a one-page single-space paper on reinforced concrete with steel beams inside. So this is the worst thing ever. And, And by the way, young adults, kids, there was no such thing as the internet. I am archaic. I had a TI-81 and thought, this is cool technology. But I had to write a paper on this. This is called rebar. I don't know how many of you are familiar with rebar, but it's short for reinforcing bar. And contractors will put rebar inside of concrete so that it will be strong. And the chemical properties are that the concrete bonds to the rebar. And so therefore, if there's no rebar in this building, we would have already known it. Now, any of our facilities, constant maintenance, that's just life. It is. And so maybe there's some of that, but like we would have known if there wasn't rebar. Because the rebar is unseen. And our brother James in the New Testament says, brothers and sisters, do not focus on what is seen and temporary, but focus on what is unseen. And so for the future God's calling us all into for the church at Woodbine, it's going to require, I would say, humility is the rebar for what God's about to do through your campus. And humility, literally, when you think about humility, humility literally is a modest or less than opinion of yourself. I'm I'm guessing everybody knew that. It's a modest or less than opinion of yourself. And having a higher value of others over oneself. And, And listen, because we're followers of Jesus, humility is rightly, and it's rooted in this. Let me make sure I'm very clear. Humility is rooted... Okay, in light of what Christ has already done for us. And our brother Paul to the Philippians says this, that our attitude and our nature should be the same as Christ Jesus, who didn't consider equality with His Father something to be leveraged for His own gain, but He humbled Himself, took on the form of a human and a servant, humbling Himself to the point of serving others. Ultimately, the greatest service the Lord Jesus has ever done for us, the church, is to lay His life down on the cross at Calvary to shed His perfect, innocent blood so that we, being sinners and broken, as beautiful and creative and talented as I do sincerely believe you are, we're all in need of that righteous blood. So Jesus laid down His life. So therefore, I'm I'm not not going to stand in front of Him and start bartering with Him on the ways we obey what Paul said here to live and step into our future in a worthy manner. But in light of that, what can I do? What can we do? What can you do to reach the lost within a three to five mile radius of here? 
What can I put aside? What can I lay aside? My preferences, my opinions. What can I prioritize to get there? It's going to require humility to think in different ways and to do different things. But I'll go first. When you think about humility uh, and humbling yourself, um, the church at Woodbine has been a regional campus of Brentwood Baptist Church for eight years. I, I was not in senior level leadership at that time. I wasn't in any of those meetings. But I think it's quite possible that early on, there wasn't really good, fine, precision clarity given to what it means to be a regional campus. Uh, nearly all of our campuses that were an existing church that came in to be part of our family had a launch team that spent months together, like a launch or relaunch team, spending time looking at mission and vision and all these things to be very clear. And I don't know that we did that well eight years ago. And you may have had questions. What's our relationship to Brentwood Baptist? And if that's anybody's opinion or thoughts in here, that's on us. And maybe four years ago, when the campus transitioned from a, from a ministry campus, a ministry campus to a regional campus, you may have said, like, I don't, I don't know what that, what does that mean? And maybe there was some confusion or lack of clarity about like, well, what is, uh, well, well, then how does that change what we're trying to accomplish? And if you've had any lack of clarity, that's on leadership. And even in the last four months, if you've had any confusion or questions about like, I just want to share my heart. I want to know you're going you're gonna to do what's best, Aaron and other leaders for the church at Woodbine. And there's been some moments where I've picked up that maybe your questions weren't answered or you didn't feel like they were responded to or you didn't even get to ask them. Like if that's happened, we've worked really hard. Ken, Bill Farrell, myself, when we've been made known of that, to circle back and say, oh my gosh, I have time to meet with you. What are your questions? I want to treat you with honor. I want to treat you with respect. So we, we've tried to do that after we found out about maybe you, you didn't know what was happening or the information about what's the timeline for like relaunching or starting or what are we doing here in the future? And if there's been any lack of clarity, that's on us. And the reason I share that with you is so that you will know we, we are sincere and intent on doing what is best to bring glory to God in this place best for reaching people with the gospel, and best for the flourishing of the church at Woodbine. And if there's been any lack of clarity, God helping us, we are bending over and doing everything we can to ensure you have clear vision about what lies ahead so that that imbues confidence in you. I think clarity is kindness. I do. I think clarity is kindness. So like we can say, hey, let's lock arms together. Here's our mission. It's to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus. Within a three to five mile, 10 mile radius of here, like this is the community we're trying to reach anywhere, anytime with anybody. So it would give you confidence in that. But I also think it's very respectful to say like, that's what we're after. So that if you say that's, um, I don't, I don't know that I'm on board with that. I don't, I don't know. Like I've got questions about that. I think clarity is kindness so that you can circle back or you can pray about like, is God calling me to this? Because we're going to ask everybody in the church to commit to the vision that God has given to the church at Woodbine through Brentwood Baptist Church. And that will require us to humble ourselves before the Lord and ask Him, what, what is my role in this? I mentioned some of the ways that I felt like I just need to acknowledge if there's been any lack of clarity. Like It, it will require humility to think about new strategies and new ways to reach people. It will. Um, when we started the church at Avenue South, there was a launch team of 85 adults. 85 adults. There, there was not like 400 or anything like that. It was 85 adults. And when we launched, we, there was no existing congregation. So we launched. And when we started reaching people, some of the launch team members were like, um, we don't know them. 
And we used to have meals together as a launch team. Can we just still continue to have meals together as a launch team? And like, they do their own thing. And I said, well, I think actually what's happening is kingdom wins. But what dawned on me, the Spirit whispered in my ear, some of our members are struggling. We're, we're actually effective with the gospel and reaching people. And it's just hard. It's new people and influx of people. And I told you, every campus that we've started at Brentwood Baptist Church, from an exi- or every campus we brought into the fold, we had a launch team. And like I said, I don't, I don't know that we did that well years ago. Perhaps we did, perhaps we didn't. Wasn't involved in that. But we're going to form a relaunch team here for the church at Woodbine. And we're going to ask everybody in the room to commit to being part of the relaunch team. We're going to ask everybody. We're going to have a commitment card at some point and say, would you prayerfully consider being part of the next 12 months of what God is doing here? And we're going to ask everyone who is a Brentwood Baptist member who lives within close proximity to the church at Woodbine to pray about joining your campus. I want to say that again. We're going to ask everyone who lives within a mile of you, within three miles of you, who is within five miles of you, who is part of Brentwood Baptist Church to prayerfully consider joining your church and giving us a 12-month commitment as part of the relaunch team. The church at West End in Columbia took 100 individuals, nearly 50 families from the church at Station Hill with them. And it energized. It was a group of people saying like, we want to advance the gospel with you. You're doing great things. Let us come alongside of you and think about what we could do together. I think about like, what what would it look like to have 100 or 50 families filling this room to come alongside those of you who are wearing yourself out because you're serving and you're the 20% doing 80% of the work? What would it be like to have 50 new families or 100 different new individuals that say, I believe in the same thing you are and I love being at the church at Woodbine and serving together. It would increase the number of volunteers. Hopefully it would bring energy and encouragement It would increase the number of people that are trying to reach the lost and searching in this neighborhood. Like, that's a kingdom win. But it would require some humility right from all of us to say, like, I like our church. And an influx of people are thinking about new ideas and new strategies. That's different. By the way, there are many members at the church at Avenue South that live in Woodbine. And one of the things I will be doing in the months months ahead is having tons of cups of coffee, which Ken, I told you I love, so it's good for me. But to say, I want you to start praying about something that you weren't thinking about before I invited you to meet me. Woodbine's your neighborhood. If you reach your neighbor with the gospel, I don't want you driving out of Woodbine to a different campus. I want you connected to the campus that's in your neighborhood so they can reach their neighbors and not have to drive past that campus to another campus. I think about what God could be doing in the future through a relaunch team that brings energy and excitement and this room filled with families and adults and others in the days, months, and years ahead. And and so if you need more clarity, I said clarity is kindness. We're going to form a relaunch team. And the pastoral search team has already been formed for your church. I, I can't tell you enough. This prayer guide that you now have in your hands on the back tables, please commit to this. On here is not only praying for your next pastor, that brother exists somewhere on this planet. And right now the Lord is giving him a holy discontent about where he's serving and stirring and wooing him towards the people of Woodbine, towards your stories and your lives. Yes, certainly pray for that. But but I would like to tell you this. The pastoral search team includes trustee representation. Donna Keel, who's a longtime member here. Donna's going to serve as a trustee representative on that team. 
We have staff resource teams. There's only two standing teams for all of Brentwood Baptist, your finance ministry team and your staff resource team. And there will be three staff resource team members that are part of it. A Brentwood campus member, an Avenue South campus member, and a Nolensville campus member. But you have lay leadership from this congregation along with Donna. I'm so grateful for Wayne Hutchison and the work that he does with the deacons, especially in this time of interim. Brother, I, I respect you madly. And Wayne has graciously agreed to serve on the pastoral search team here. And I'm also great, grateful for Carolyn Denning. I knew Dustin when we were in a small group Bible study nearly 16 years ago before I did Carolyn, but as I've grown to know Carolyn and her heart for the Lord and her character and her reputation, I'm thrilled that she's graciously agreed to join this search team. And the idea that would be that this team starts in earnest this coming week to prayerfully meet and pursue and start to search for the man that God's called here. And it would be wonderful. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Shocker, I know. But I would love within the next 90 days to have identified this man of God and begin the intense process of interviewing and pursuing their calling to the church at Woodbine. I think it probably makes most sense that if you're going to call a pastor, you, you might want that pastor to speak into the next worship minister on your staff. So it will fall in that order. I'm, I'm grateful for the guest preachers. I'm grateful Adam and I served for four years together at Avenue South, and I, I have so much respect for you and your character and your integrity as well. Um, and I'm grateful for you, brother. But there is a day coming where once we hire a pastor here, we want that pastor to speak into helping you hire the next worship minister here. There are tangible steps that are coming, and I will go before the Lord and go before the leadership of Brentwood Baptist Church to make sure we're doing everything we can for your advocacy and to make sure you have clarity about what's next. And the end goal is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That has happened at Woodbine. It is currently happening, as I've been told, by members in this congregation. I believe you're on the edge of it happening again in droves. I believe the Lord is calling you into a new future. I believe it will require humility of all of us in light of what Jesus has done for us, putting our preferences and our opinions aside and saying, what will help us reach the lost? And how, even if it means an influx of new people, even if it means new ideas and new strategies, I will trust the Lord in this. That's all of us. But the leadership of the church loves you. We're proud of you. And it's not an us or them, it's a we. We have each other in this. And we will be faithful to pray for you, to support you, and to come alongside of you in this. What a treat to be with you today. I would ask that if you have questions about some of the things that I've shared, that's a lot. There, there is a website, a web page. If you go to the church at Woodbine web website, there is a web page that will go live tomorrow morning explaining in detail everything that you might feel like I just unleashed on you. We want to be very clear about that. If you have questions, Ken's here. Bill Farrell is here. I'm always available to you. Donna is always available to you. And in the months ahead, Carolyn and Wayne will be available to you. I would just ask that you reach out with questions, concerns, seeking further clarity, and let us know how we can be your advocate. If you don't share, we won't know. But we will always do what is best for the glory of God in this place, best for this church, and best for reaching the community of Woodbine. And I thank you for prayerfully considering your part in it. And in the weeks ahead, Ken, Bill, and others 
will lay out this timeline and how that will be implemented. Let me invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. And I'm going to invite Adam and the worship team to come back up to the platform. There is so much we could prayerfully consider in this moment. And what I'm going to encourage all of us to pray over the next few moments is I want you to think about when you met Jesus Christ. Whether it was four years ago, whether it was four months ago, whether it was 40 years ago, and think about how grateful you were that Jesus saved you. Think about how grateful you were to be redeemed from your past life and not only be redeemed from and to be placed into a new and hopeful future. Because in light of what Christ has done for each of us, that's what will compel and that should be the motivation for us for moving forward to see people in the community at Woodbine saved by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So over the next few minutes, I'll step down. I'll I'll give you time to consider what it is you want to pray about. You may want to pray, Lord, what is my part in this? God, soften my heart so that I'll be open and ready for what you have ahead. You may pray, Lord, give me confidence and courage to challenge and call other sisters and brothers in this congregation to join me in this. It may be to follow Jesus Christ for the first time ever or to join the church at Woodbine. I want to encourage you to do and pray and ask Jesus for what it is you want and need in this moment and make the goal of it being His glory and what helps the church at Woodbine, this bride of Christ, flourish over and above what any of our personal desires might be. And in just a moment, Adam and the worship team will ask us to stand and sing in response.